It's baseball season, and we're talking about pitching injuries, in particular the elite college and professional pitcher. What do you need to know? You are listening to Reach MDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special sports medicine segment on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Sherwin Ho, and with me today is Dr. Bill Bryan, former team physician with the Houston Nationals for over 20 years. Again, we're discussing elbow and shoulder injuries in the elite pitching athlete. Bill, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to our physician audience here on Reach MD. Great to be here. It's an honor. Let's see what we can do. It is baseball season, and... You took care of a number of professional athletes through your 20 years with the Astros, professional pitchers, I should say. And so we want to talk a little bit about the types of shoulder and elbow injuries you might see in that class of pitchers, the elite college or professional athlete. Let's start with the shoulder. What are some of the injuries that you saw during your 20 years or or that our audience is likely to see in that type of pitcher in their practice? Yeah, let's extend this down into high school because I consider the skeletally mature thrower is much at risk for some of the problems we see in college and, and professionals and sort of blessed here in Houston. We've got good weather most of the year and we've cranked out a lot of elite players. The youth leagues, the high schools are go-getters with guys routinely throwing in the 90s in high school. The sore shoulder is a product usually of too much work. And if we look at a Venn diagram and you've got workload, you've got conditioning, You've got mechanics, those three circles. They interact in some way with all the throwing injuries we see. And by far, the shoulder, the circle, the circle of workload is clearly the biggest circle. It's difficult because you feel the more you you throw, the better you are. But there's a limit to that. And so there, there's breakdown tissue that occurs with high repetition. And the tissues that are at risk are the capsule on the front of the shoulder that holds the humerus to the glenoid, the complex of the biceps tendon attaching to the glenoid, the so-called labrum, and thirdly, the undersurface of the rotator cuff. It's our job to kind of sort those out because you can see those problems separately or in combination. Let's talk a little bit about the throwing shoulder, the thrower's shoulder. In terms of injury prevention, you said workload was the most important thing. And we see in our day and age athletes who want to practice as much as they can to get ahead. And they're willing to throw 100, 1,000 pitches thinking that the more they throw, the stronger they'll be and the the better their chances of progressing to the next level, so to speak. We see that in our athletes. We, We still see it in some coaching staffs and some parents making their kids believe the more they throw, the better there is. But I think you brought up the fact that there is a weak link and there is a weak spot in the shoulder and it, and it will break down if you reach a limit. There is a limit to the shoulder. You know, in some ways, the players around Chicago are blessed. I mean, you've got this thing called snow, and so it keeps them from going outside and throwing. We fight that all the time here. I work a lot with Mike Netzel, who's the sort of dean of youth baseball conditioning and teaching and you know, we're always struggling to try to get these guys off the field, away from the pitching mounds for at least three or four months a year to work on conditioning, work on mechanics, and last but not least, taking away some of the load on their arms. Those are the most successful baseball players. They're not the kids that play all year round. If you're good, you're good. You don't need to play all year round. For the reasons I just mentioned, you need to step away. If you're going to be a good high school player, step away from throwing and find yourself three or four months of the year either playing another sport 
are working very hard on conditioning and mechanics, which become important that weren't that important in Little League. Our physician audience can tell those athletes that they're not going to get behind their competitors if they take three or four months off from throwing. No, absolutely. You cannot. Our mantra here is you cannot throw yourself into shape. So we're talking about an area in Texas, uh, sort of the breadbasket of professional baseball pitchers, if you will. And you're saying that with your experience watching all these elite throwers progress to the major leagues and to the all-star level, that taking some time off is actually good for their careers. Absolutely. Dr. Gene Coleman's the conditioning coach for the Astros for 30 years. He's written the definitive books on this topic. And when Gene looks at early teenage and teenage baseball players, arm strength is not the issue. He sees weakness in the legs, in the trunk. That's what needs attention. And so you serve two purposes. You pull them into these conditioning programs for that reason. And second, you get them off the mound so they're not throwing for at least a third of the year. So you're saying during that time, these elite throwers really should spend that three or four months off conditioning other parts of their body. Absolutely. You, you may have a really live arm, and you may be able to throw 90 miles an hour with a live arm, but it's going to break down quicker than if you're throwing the baseball with your whole body. That takes some work. That takes some education in everybody. Did you folks have a pitch count for your major league pitchers on a sort of a daily basis? I know you're saying take a break over the course of a a year, take three or four months out, but what about in season or when they actually are throwing? Did you have an actual limit or was it different for every pitcher? Well, it's different, sure. That's a very good question. Today, most of the guys come into the game with serious off-season conditioning programs, which we applaud, but still look at spring training. It's still six to eight weeks long. Why is it six to eight weeks long? For the pitchers. I mean, the hitters, Tim Raines didn't show up for spring training. I think the first game of the season, he had a grand slam. So that's why. And you say, oh, my goodness, these are professionals. They're good quality men, and yet it still takes them six to eight weeks to get ready for the the season. That should be a powerful message for the high school kids. You just can't run out there, you know, the end, end of January, early February, when we crank up here and start throwing real, real hard. You've got to have everything else in place to be successful. Good point. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I'm Dr. Sherwin Ho, and I'm talking with Dr. Bill Bryan, former team physician with the Houston Astros for over 20 years. We're talking about elite pitching injuries. Let's talk a little bit about your experience with the Houston Astros. You've had some amazing pitchers come under your care, and one that I idolized through my following of baseball, uh, Nolan Ryan, uh, amazing career. This guy threw... 100 miles an hour for many, many years, and for the most part avoided serious injury. Can you tell us a little bit about why you think he did so well for so long and avoided injury? Nolan was one of those guys who, first of all, picked his parents correctly. He brought he brought the right amount of tissue laxity and tension to the game. Because face it, we've got a lot of guys who are very limber, very loose-jointed, ligamentously lax, who get into the game they get a certain distance. But in the office, when you look at a player and he's got 10 degrees of elbow recurvatum and he gives you a history of kneecap problems and flat arches in his feet, you might imagine that this ligamentously lax person is going to develop secondary shoulder instability quicker than somebody like Nolan Ryan if they throw a lot. So check that off. Nolan brings good genes to the pitching man. 
So what they what you're saying is they need obviously the pitchers need good flexibility in the shoulder, but not instability or excessive laxity, and that's the combination that he was blessed with. Yeah, that's right. And so getting back to the office practice, you're going to see a lot of kids who are just hopelessly limber. They're we call them gumbies, and you have to be. We're here to tell people the truth, not to give them bad news, but they're just some throwing athletes, so that's not their future. And you got to talk to the kids, you got to talk to the families, make them realize that some of their avenue of athletics may be appropriate. Uh, getting back to Nolan, he was also blessed with perfect mechanics. I mean, every single hard throw he made seemed to be the same rotation of his body, arm slot position, follow through, again and again and again. And the other was he was very fastidious about his exercises. I mean, extremely fastidious about all the things that Dr. Gene Coleman told him to do, but not in excess. You know, there's no reason if we tell you to do 10 reps, we mean that. We don't mean that 30 reps is going to be better. Nolan did those things just day in, day out. And you're talking about the preseason conditioning as well as uh, in-season? Yeah, absolutely. He though got in trouble at one point. He started to develop pain on the inside of his elbow, that valgus stress syndrome, stretching the medial collateral ligament. This was before we had MRI scans, but it was quite clear that was the situation. There was some concern, and in fact, a proposal from a West Coast orthopedic surgeon that he undergo so-called Tommy John surgery. But back in Houston, we, we looked at the pitch count. He seemed to get into trouble when he threw over 120 pitches. And we kind of put that together with the training room records. And the general manager, Dick Wagner, and I put Nolan on a pitch limit. We kept him under 100 pitches, saved his elbow. He came back and threw very well that year in 1986. It just goes to show you don't want to jump the gun. And you know, today with MRI scans, you often see pathology in the medial collateral ligament. But that doesn't equal the need for reconstructive surgery. This Tommy John surgery, obviously you've done it and you've seen it work and then you've seen it done inappropriately in other places. What is the appropriate time and place for this specific operation that we've read so much about? Let's keep in mind that elbow problems in high school, college, professional players, elbow problems are more due to mechanical issues than they are workload. Going back to our Venn diagram. That becomes the big circle, mechanics. That athlete should have a careful look at their pitching mechanics, and hopefully they've got wiggle room to correct their mistakes. If they do, coupled with often a couple weeks of rest, those very common medial elbow pains that many of you are going to see in your office should settle down. But if they don't change their mechanics, then they're going to be right back in the soup. There are people where the horse does get out of the barn, and the MCL is completely shot for whatever reason. And then the Tommy John surgery that Dr. Frank Job pioneered over 30 years ago is the way to go. I only do that, though, when I fully understand the athlete and feel that he does have the wiggle room to change his mechanics. Because if he goes back and throws <laughs> with the same bad mechanics, that ligamentous reconstruction is not going to hold up. At that level of the game, most of the guys you see have pretty good mechanics. But when they come to see us, you know, say the elite college athlete or the professional thrower, and they come in with an elbow problem, do you automatically send them off to get a video analysis of their throwing mechanics? Is there someone that you utilize a lot in your practice? When we talk about mechanics, we obviously can't have them throw in our office and say, hey, it's your mechanics. 
Or are there a few things that you can specifically tell the athlete to look out for when they're pitching? You know, we're talking about the patient with the elbow problem. Well, exactly. And there's different situations. It's easy to figure it out if the athlete comes in and says, well, I just started throwing sliders last year. I'm 18 years old. I'm really good. They let me start throwing sliders. We're going to stop throwing sliders. If you have the athlete who has shoulder problems and therefore he's dropping his elbow and his arm slot is different, we're going to try to take care of rotator cuff tendonitis or whatever so he can get his arm slot back in position. Bill, I want to thank you for being my guest on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Sherwin Ho. You've been listening to a sports medicine segment on the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at reachmd.com. Register with the promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. Thank you for listening.